You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 139, The Galloping Ghost Arcade. Hello, and welcome to episode 139 of You Don't Know Flat. Today is August 4th, 2013, and on today's show I will be talking about the Galloping Ghost, a retro arcade located just outside of downtown Chicago, Illinois. How is everybody? Um, I skipped another week. I did not record last week. I had friends in from out of town. We actually talked about recording an episode of You Don't Know Flack while we were here, but that didn't happen. So here we are. I spent the last week in Chicago, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, And while I was out in Chicago, I didn't have my Commodore with me to record the latest episode of You Don't Know Flack, so I recorded it on a cassette tape. And then uh, when I got back in town yesterday, I used the data set, and I imported the audio into the Commodore 64 and did a, a little cleaning up on the audio. And so while I play that back from the data set, into the Commodore 64 to transfer over that podcast, we have a little bit of time to talk during this week's Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Joe Barlow wrote in, said, I found the show after hearing it plugged on Rob O'Hara's excellent podcast. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Yes. And Rob O'Hara's podcast is an excellent podcast. And he would like us to review Bagmat. Hey, is that Mike McGinnis? Carrington Vanston from the No Quarter Podcast talking about You Don't Know Flack. It is. Thank you very much, guys, for the kind words. And I completely reciprocate the thought. Um, I just spent, uh, as I said, I just drove back yesterday from Chicago and I took kind of a, a different route than I normally take. Normally, it's almost, it's exactly 800 miles from where I live in Oklahoma to where my grandma lives in Chicago. And so uh, I took a little bit different route. Normally it's about, we do it in roughly 12 hours. It depends on if the kids are with us. We don't make as good of a time. Um, And I just had Mason with me, but he was a trooper and he brought his big boy bladder. And so we did not have to stop every 30 minutes like we do when we're with Morgan. So, uh, but we did take a different route and it took almost 15 hours to get home yesterday. So it was kind of a brutal day, but I did. I mean, the best thing about, road trips. And one thing that I really look forward to is getting caught up on my podcast. So I listened to the last couple of episodes of No Quarter. I listened to the last couple of episodes of the 2600 Game by Game podcast. I don't really listen to throwback reviews as much anymore because I'm on it. So I feel like I lived it. I don't feel like uh, I need to go and um, and hear everything that's on there. But uh, um, And the uh, I listened to two episodes, I think, of the Adventure Club podcast. So uh, good times. It's like, it is really like having your friends with you on the road. So I always, uh, I always listen to as many podcasts as I can when I'm uh, traveling like that. So I had a good time yesterday. I have not received a whole lot of feedback on the last couple of episodes. Uh, and I think part of that is because I have 
uh, kind of stopped mentioning <laughs> the ways to give me feedback. So it's just a reminder. You can email me your thoughts about this show or any show at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. You can call the official Google voicemail, which is area code 405-486-YDKF for you don't know flat. Or you can leave comments, feedback, suggestions, anything on the Facebook page. Uh, just go to Facebook if you're a Facebooker and go to You Don't Know Flack and uh, you'll find us there. Oh, and I'm on Twitter as Commodork. So if, you, uh, if you're if you a Twitter, a Twittery, a Twitter fan, a Twit, a Tweet, whatever, a Twithead, um, then find me on Twitter. And um, when I post the new episodes, uh, they go on the uh, You Don't Know Flack page, which is podcast.robohero.com, but it does send out an update to Twitter and Facebook uh, when those are posted. So any of those ways are good ways to uh, get in contact with me and good ways to um, know that a new show has been posted. Last, I was going to say last week, but I missed last week. So the week before last uh, was the Atari 2600 episode. And I'm not exactly sure where these hits came from. I'm still trying to figure that out. I suspect it has to do with the appearance I made on the Adventure Club podcast. But when I checked my web logs the next morning after posting the Atari 2600 episode, I had over 6,000 unique hits to the website, which was really, really exciting. That is, um, I got about the same number of hits during OVGE, the Oklahoma Video Game Expo, and that's coming up again next year or uh, this year on September 21st in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I got about 6,000 hits that day. These are the two busiest uh, days of, of traffic that I've ever had on the website. And um, it looks like everybody, it, there. I can't find a, a link. So it's not like someone posted a link and people clicked on it. It's like they typed in the URL and came here. So that's why I think it may have been from a mention on a podcast or something. But anyway, um, so I was really excited about that. And then when I look closer, it looks like about one-tenth of those people downloaded and listened to the episode. So, I mean, the good news is 600 downloads, um, especially on the first day for one of my podcasts is, is, um, pretty unheard of. I mean, that, that's a great, great traffic day for me. Um, I'm not sure what the other 5,400 people were expecting. <laughs> I don't know if they came in, they were like, Oh, what is this crap? And they just left or maybe they, you know, in my head, they came and they bookmarked it because they were like, oh, you know what? I'm going to come back uh, tomorrow and download all these. So uh, for all the new listeners, welcome to You Don't Know Flack. For all the people that came and left and didn't listen, screw you guys. It doesn't matter what I say because they won't hear it. They're not here. Um, let's see. Boy, I have a lot of things, a lot of notes that I jotted down this week. So I'm going to try to move through a lot of these things quickly. Um, I am recording now in a new room. I have moved. I use, I'm now using my laptop. I drug the microphone over here. There's a lot of plugins that will take noise out of podcasts. There's a lot of way to clean these things up. There's a lot of post editing, but really, um, I mean, it's the easiest thing is to start with a quiet room. And so until I can figure out, um, how to make my server a little quieter and make that room, uh, a little more audio friendly, then um, the easiest thing is to pick up my laptop, grab my microphone, and move over into uh, what we have dubbed in this house the Star Wars room, which is a guest bedroom, but slowly it is closing in as I am putting shelves 
on every single wall. And I'm, I'm actually in that room. So I'm looking at it now. I'm staring at my, um, classic Star Wars arcade collection or arcade, uh, action figure collection. Um, and then right next to it is, is newer figures. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something I, I wrote down later to talk about, but since I'm looking at all my Star Wars stuff, I might as well segue into that real quick. Last week, I picked up a prune face figure. I talked about that on the blog a little bit. Prune face is one of those figures that is in the, uh, he's in Return of the Jedi for a few seconds. He has no speaking lines. He's called prune face because his face looks like a prune. He's wearing an eye patch and he is a figure that, um, I did not care to own in 1983 or 93 or 2003 but here in 2013 uh i now own my own prune face so i'm down to about 20 figures left from the original line and let me tell you i've been looking at that list and boy i mean there are some easy ones that i still need to pick up i still need a jawa um i still need um the bespin security guard the black guy I got the white guy, um, but I, I need the black guy. There's a couple other ones, but then like there's the, um, I'm going to say this wrong, the Anamanaman or something like that. He's from Jabba's Palace. I went and looked on eBay, loose ones of him. I guess they're, I, they're, I think there is a, a carded uh, Power of the Force one with, with the coin, but loose ones go for a hundred something. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I just jumped to the other end. I'm like, you know what? I'll start down here with the, uh, Yak face. That ought to be an easy one. There's a buy it now yak face on eBay for 600. So, um, I got a feeling that I'm going to round out my collection of the inexpensive figures relatively quickly. And then after that, I don't know. I've got some decisions to make. I mean, I have always wanted to own all the original Star Wars figures and, and not all of mine are in great shape. You know, I mean, I have a, I'm looking at a, I have two Yodas staring at me. One has the original cape on, but it looks like maybe his belt disappeared at some point because it it looks like that's probably a rubber band from here uh, holding his robe together. And then there's one behind him without a robe on at all. So not all my my figures, uh, lots of them, are missing the accessories or, um, uh, you know, they're definitely in played in, you know, used condition. Uh, but that being said, I mean, a lot of these are the ones that I owned when I was a kid. And then some of them are ones, you know, like I said, I, I've been picking these up for five or $10. So they're not, you know, brand new quality. They're played with toy quality. So it's more important for me right now to get all of them. And then maybe I'll spend some time and some money upgrading them into better, you know, versions. Uh, but that being said, I, you know, $600 for a, a three and three quarter inch piece of plastic just to, you know, to mark that off a list. That's tough, man. I, I don't know that I can justify that. So we'll have to see what happens, um, you know, when, when we get down to those final few figures. Um, I also discovered uh, last weekend, I had some friends of mine come in from town. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. And we all found a new toy store in town. I say new, it's been around for over a decade, but this first time that I went, I was actually confused because... Um, I told my friends when we went in that I'd never been there. And then we went in, I told the guy behind the counter that I had been there. So I couldn't really figure it out. But what I eventually figured out is that that place used to be at a different location. And I went to the old location, which explains why um, the fellow uh, 
that I was talking to seemed completely familiar with me, and, and he said he remembered me too, so I was trying to piece that together. But anyway, um, the store is called Toy Base 10. They're in Oklahoma City, and they have, I think he said about 3,700 square foot of retro, I'd say retro, um, maybe some 60s. I mean, there were some Lost in Space toys there, mostly 70s and 80s toys. Um, we're talking carded action figures. There's a Star Wars, there's a couple of Star Wars rooms. There's a Transformers room. Um, there is a GI Joe room. There's a room for models. There's, um, you know, uh, we saw Dr. Who stuff. We saw Star Trek stuff. Um, there's a, a whole section of action figures from the tick. I mean, it, it is an, an amazing place. And I actually, it's funny because I went in there looking for Star Wars stuff and that is where I found prune face. I also found in, in the box, uh, his name is Dragon, I believe is how you say it. He's the half lion, half dragon beast from the Adventures Dungeons and Dragons, or Advanced uh, Dungeons and Dragons line of toys from the 80s. I had this dragon, and um, he had him new in the box. Now, the one thing that will drive me crazy about this place and... Um, it, it's just a personal preference, but there's not a single thing in the store that has a price tag. So every single thing you, I mean, if you're interested, I guess you pick it up, you take it to the front and then you, you talk about price. And he, he did eventually give me a price on, um, uh, prune face. And then I, I didn't understand how the system worked and there was a price on the, um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons lion, lion, dragon, dragon, lion, drag iron dragon uh and so we just agree that that price was fair so um i guess you need to uh do your research and find out what things are worth before you go in there um and and i assume if you have no idea what something's worth he'll tell you uh what it's worth to him so uh and and you know what both of the prices that he gave me i thought were extremely fair so uh, and, and, uh, like I said, I, I, I know uh, that I've talked to Steve before and, um, I, the hours of the place are from 1 PM to 5 PM, uh, several days a week. And so I think that's one thing that's kept me from going over there too much. I, I mean, uh, really it's a, you know, you got to remember to go over there on a Saturday and go, it's also very close quarters. So when we got there, there weren't very many people in the store, but as it started getting a little crowded, it was difficult to move around. And that being said, if you are looking for 3,700 square foot of vintage action figures, there's only so many places you can go for that. And uh, so I need to update my list of Star Wars toys and get back over there. And because I got a feeling these last 20 or so figures, most of them can be found over there, but there will be some digging involved. Um, I also, uh, while my friends were in town, I ran across a uh, vintage, like a 1977 in the box, Darth Vader TIE Fighter. The box is not um, great condition. It's okay, but I didn't have one in the box. Um, and so, uh, so I picked that up. I was really excited about that. So I, I now have, for the vintage ones... I know I have the Imperial Troop Transport in the box, a Death Star. Uh, and when I say in the box, 
the at the level I'm buying, I mean, the toys have been open, played with, but someone kept the box and they've put it back in the box. I have a land speeder. Um, I have a few uh, slightly newer ones. Uh, well, I have a, a, the Dagobah X-Wing and um, a speeder bike and a few other things. So I, I really, I just enjoy those so much. I mean, I remember as a kid going to the toy store and looking at the Star Wars stuff in the boxes. And so that's why I enjoy them. Uh, all, I think everything that I own like that, that's in a box, I still have one that's out of the box too. So um, because I enjoy looking at the toys as well. So, uh, okay. I'm not doing a good job of moving quickly, so I'm going to move qu quicker than the quickly that I didn't move before. Uh, the weekend before last, I got contacted by, uh, one of my listeners, Ultra Magnus. Uh, you might know him as Mike Whalen. If you listen to the last episode of the No Quarter podcast, Mike makes an appearance on there, uh, the uh, Galaga episode. Um, I have interacted with Mike a little bit on Twitter, but he was attending the Kansas Fest, the Apple II, or I shouldn't say Apple II, the Apple uh, gathering, which takes place up in Kansas. And he was driving uh, from Houston to Kansas, and you go through Oklahoma City to do that. He asked if I was interested in meeting up with him for dinner, and I said I would be glad to. And we had a great time. Um I should do that more often. I think, you know, sometimes when I'm in cities, some people like that. Some people don't like that. I, I do like that. I like connecting with people and, you know, you could have a, a conversation over dinner in 30 minutes that would take a month to unfold on Twitter sometimes, you know, or, or whatever. So I, I did have a good uh, dinner. We talked about um, virtual servers and networks and all these things, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, somebody will ask what I do at work or whatever, and I'll start talking. And even on the parts I, I get excited about, and then I'll look up and their eyes have just glazed over. Like I've, I've just lost them, you know, and, and, um, I feel bad about it. And sometimes I try to talk about things. Um, and it's not that it's super complicated. It's just if they're not something that they don't, they uh, haven't been exposed to, then, uh, they just won't, uh, you know, it, it's difficult to explain those things. And so Mike has very similar experiences and background and uh, work experience as to what I do. And so once we, you know, kind of tested that water a little bit and started throwing out terms uh, and, and we found that, that we have uh, uh, very similar uh, things that we've done at work. And so it was really good to uh, just sit down and talk to somebody, just somebody that you could connect to just out of the blue. And so anyway, um, so I really had a good time with Mike. And then last weekend, my friends, um, Charles, who, uh, if you are on Atari age or digital press, you probably know as Uba Goober Alice. And also my friend, Brian, who you may know as icebreaker, Brian runs the Amiga CD 32. Uh, I think it's dot com. Shoot. I should have looked that up, but look up Amiga CD 32. He runs that website. Um, he runs particles.org. So, um, and Brian is a old school Commodore guy from back in the day. He, uh, was involved in several, um, uh, major scene groups. He did, um, PAL to NTSC conversions. He did a lot of cool stuff. So, um, and, and Charles drove in to Oklahoma from Albuquerque and Brian drove over from Arkansas. We get together. We have a few of us that get together, um, once or twice a year. And, uh, so we just went and did some some retro uh, shopping. We hit a bunch of antique places. We hit the, the Toy Base 10, like I mentioned. Um, and we just had a good time. So 
Um, I like doing that. Like I said, it's um, getting out from behind the keyboard and going and, and interacting with people and doing that stuff. It's a nice change from time to time, you know. So there is a, a uh, real world out there. Uh, let's see what else I have on here. Um, you know what? I don't even have that much to say about this except for, um, the retro bits podcast. If you know, Earl Evans, retro Earl, he is kind of splitting up retro bits into some different like subcategories, I guess, of podcasts. And one is called chicken lips podcast, which is dedicated to Commodore 64 news, um, modern, you know, using a Commodore 64 today, things like that. That is such a great idea for a podcast. You know, I used to go on iTunes and I would search for Commodore 64 and, um, you know, there's nothing that that's doing that right now. There are lots of podcasts that will mention the Commodore, but that aren't Commodore centric. There was one, God, I, I really, I should have looked this up. I think it was called Walkabout, something like that. C64 Walkabout, maybe. And it was a guy that was playing Commodore games and would talk about it. That was a great podcast and it just you know, didn't last very long. Um, but I have been looking for, and I, to the point where I thought about doing one and I, and it's one of those projects that I've thought about doing. I don't know that I'm qualified to do it, but, um, you know, a Commodore centric podcast really excites me. And so right around the time that I, I started thinking, you know, I should really maybe, you know, put some effort towards getting that, you know, doing that, then, um, then retro bits or retro Earl, uh, announced that he was doing that. And I thought that's perfect because first of all, I'd rather listen to one than do one. And I know retro, uh, retro Earl, uh, Earl Evans, he's going to do a great job on it. And his, the first episode just came out a couple of weeks ago. I listened to that while I was driving back. And, and so I really enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to new episodes of that. But that's, um, chicken lips podcast. You can, if you Google chicken lips, you'll probably find it. Uh, we just did, uh, throwback reviews the last episode. We, on that podcast, we did Goonies and, um, I think we got some, some good hits on that and people are tuning in and tomorrow we're recording a new episode of throwback reviews where we will be talking about, um, summer vacation and our, our uh, memories of, of that as kids and things like that. I'm really looking forward to that. So that will probably be out, uh, later this week. Um, let's see what else I got. I got to move through this. Um, Sean, one of my co-hosts, the, the, the real host of Throwback Reviews, um, along with, uh, uh, Dor. Those guys are, are the main guys. I'm the, I'm the guy that just kind of came in. I just walked in the door, set my stuff down and, and said, here I am. Um, Sean has told me a couple times that he has been going to these art shows up around the, the New York area, Buffalo and, and Syracuse and these areas. And so when I pressed him on that, he says, well, uh, his wife does artwork and does sculpting and things like that. And now when someone tells me their wife does artwork, I really can't think of a faster conversation killer than that, because I know that in the next five minutes, I'm going to see either dream catchers or something with, uh, that's been bedazzled, <laughs> something that's sparkly or hair bows or something like that. Um, so Sean, uh, I, I pushed him and he sent me the link to his wife's website and, and her website is Mealy Monsterland. It's M E A L Y Mealy Monsterland. And, uh, I went and looked and I fell in love immediately. She makes the most hideous 
grotesque little figures. Their eyeballs are poking out. They're zombies with their eyeballs hanging out. Old ladies, um, you know, these little monsters. They are fantastic. It is, <laughs> they are so awesome. There's some Halloween themed ones on that website. You could go through the galleries over the last several years and look at the figures that she's made. And they're made, um, I guess from like super sculpty, like clay. And then they're, I don't really know the technical. I mean, they're painted and I guess they're cooked or something to make them hard. Um, and I immediately went and bought two figures. Uh, and so they arrived while I was out of town in Chicago this week. And so I just opened them up this morning and they're so awesome. One is like a little three-legged octopus kind of guy. Mason has named him the Threektopus. Uh, and he just has this like really dour look on his face. It's just really funny. The other one's like a little um, troll-looking guy who's holding a sucker. And I mean, the amount of detail. And you look at them, and they're really detailed. And then I took some pictures with the phone. I The two that I got are pretty small. I mean, they're probably like three or four inches tall, something like that. Um, and you know, they're, they're so detailed. And then I took a picture of them to text it to my wife. And then in the picture, you can see, you know, just all these little details that I didn't even see at first. So, um, and Sean does not know that I'm going to plug his wife's website, uh, on this show. And, um, he would probably, I don't know if he would ask me not to do it, but, um, it's Mealy Monsterland. And also, if you go to his wife's blog, which is mealymonsterland.blogspot.com, you can see upcoming shows. You can see figures that she's working on or whatever. I have a feeling before all said and done that I will end up with a shelf dedicated to these figures. Like I said, it's, um, you know, I, I used to collect Halloween related items. I had these like a little shelf for eyeballs and one for little skulls and, and, um, skeletons. I just kind of like those, the Halloween stuff. And this is just right up my alley. Um, so anyway, yeah, um, mealymonsterland.com. I'll put that in the show notes just because and it has, I, I almost wish that it wasn't Sean's wife because, uh, I would plug it even more. <laughs> I would be sharing it with everybody. So I don't want anybody to think that, uh, that I shared it, um, because it's his wife. I, I want, if you like those kind of things, go out and take a look at them and, uh, you'll just see that they're, they're really awesome. Uh, the last thing I was going to mention is that I did get an email from someone, uh, asking, uh, encouraging me to keep going. And I don't want to mention this person's name because he replies to my blog as anonymous. And so I get these anonymous and, you know, for a couple of years, I actually did put some effort into trying to figure out who it was because I could tell by their IP address, uh, that they were local in the Metro Oklahoma city Metro area. And I thought, well, maybe it was somebody that knew me that, but didn't want to, uh, let me know that it was someone who knew me, but, um, eventually that person did contact me and they sent me their name and they said, we don't know each other, but they just like the show. And, but he just, um, comments anonymously on the blog. And so, um, he recently emailed me and said, um, that I should think about putting up a poll uh, to decide what future, uh, podcast topics would be. And I think that's a great idea. So I'm going to spend some time this week I know there's a couple different websites. I think there's a um, WordPress plugin as well. And so by the time we do the next episode, um, I hopefully I'll have that in place and maybe um, you guys can go out and vote on what uh, you'd like to hear on a podcast. Also, golly, I, this is so way too long. Um, someone just tweeted that this is uh, Commodore 64 month 
or something. I don't know. I don't know how things get a month or a day or whatever, you know. But, um, hey, if it's Commodore month, that's great. I may, uh, if that turns out to be true, I have a Commodore book in the works uh, where I review terrible Commodore games. So maybe I will, um, I'd like to have that ready for OVGE. Uh, the reality is OVGE is um, seven, six to seven weeks away. So I just don't know if I could get it done in time, but I would really like to do that. So anyway, this is enough babbling. Um, you know what? I will probably insert the 1541 headbang drive noise here, even though I said that I was loading it off data set. Well, no, it's all smoke and mirrors, folks. Um, but anyway, uh, that's what's going on right now. Again, if you want to send me feedback, uh, you can email me, robohara at robohara.com. You can call the voicemail box, 405-486, you don't know flat, Y-D-K-F. Facebook, Twitter, however you want to do it, do it, go do it, do it now. Let's get started with episode 139 of You Don't Know Flack, The Galloping Ghost. I think it was Kurt Musgrove. I probably, gosh, I hope I got your name right, Kurt. I see all these names on Facebook, and then I, when I'm not sitting there looking at Facebook, I space it out. But I think um, Kurt suggested to me, I posted last week on Facebook that I was headed to Chicago, and Kurt said, hey, you should check out The Galloping Ghost. I had not heard of The Galloping Ghost. It is a retro arcade located not too far from downtown Chicago. Their website is gallopingghostarcade.com. I am probably at some point going to mess up and call it The Chasing Ghost because there was a documentary that came out a couple of years ago called Chasing Ghosts, um, which is a good documentary. I'm not going to talk about it, but uh, but it's The Galloping Ghost. I made a list here of retro arcades that I have visited so far this year. There is Cactus Jacks, which is located here in Oklahoma City. Cactus Jacks is currently transitioning to... They have a different name, even though I don't really understand. I don't understand. Maybe it's like a place within a place, but their their alternative name is the Slingshots Pinball Arcade. And I went there with uh, when Brian and Charles were in town, and they have probably at least 80 pinball machines, maybe more. Um, uh, there are a lot of duplicates and I think that's for tournament purposes, but, um, they went from having four pinball tables to 80 in a short amount of time. Uh, anyway, I have been to the 1984 arcade, which is in Springfield, Missouri. That was the first retro themed arcade like that, um, that I visited and they're still going strong. I've been to the Arcadia Retrocade, which is in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That is a, a fantastic little uh, little spot full of retro arcade games. Definitely worth, uh, if you're anywhere near Fayetteville or you're driving through across the country on I-40 uh, or up in the Tulsa area, whatever, it's, it's uh, worth a stop. I've been to the Lost Ark, uh, Lost Ark Video Games, which is in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, last month. We visited Fun Spot, which is kind of the mecca of the Northeast. Um, I've also been to Insert Coins, which is on Fremont Street, which is just off the strip in Vegas. And then last time, um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't remember if we made it to the Pinball Hall of Fame or not. I've been to the Pinball Hall of Fame, both locations, the the old one and the newer one. 
Um, so the point of this is I have been to many of these retro style arcade, uh, arcades, I should say. So, uh, that's not saying that I'm an expert in the matter. Just, uh, although I did write invading spaces, a beginner's guide to collecting arcade games by Rob O'Hara, which you can pick up at robohara.com forward slash invading spaces, only fourteen ninety five in paperback or two ninety nine in a DRM free PDF form. <laughs> I should have a lower recording that would play that. That'd be funny. But yeah, so I've been to a lot of these places, and so that doesn't make me an expert by any stretch of the imagination. But I um, do enjoy retro arcade games. I love arcade games. For a while, until I moved, you know that I owned about thirty arcade games, which is more arcade games than lots of places that call themselves arcades have these days. So. Um, so not an expert, but I've been to a lot of these places so that I can compare and contrast them a little bit, which is probably what I'll be doing today. The Galloping Ghost is in Brookfield, Illinois. That is, according to Google Maps, about 18 miles south of O'Hare Airport. It is about 30 miles northwest of Homewood, Illinois, which is not, um, a famous location, but it is where my grandmother lived. And so that's where... Um, Mason, my son, my 11 year old went with me to Chicago this week. And so he and I drove, uh, from Homewood up to the galloping ghost, which Google maps says that it was, uh, about 30 miles. It took us almost an hour to get there. So that's Chicago for you. Um, I did have the GPS avoiding toll roads. And I think a lot of navigation in that area is done um, on the expressway on the on the toll road, so maybe you could get there more quickly if uh, you have a um, whatever they call it, like a, a toll pass type thing, or you want to pay the toll. Uh, so instead, we took city streets for about thirty miles, and it was very brutal and very long. Um, one concern I had was parking. We did get there early enough in the day to where parking was not an issue for us. Right next to the arcade, there was a parking lot that looked like we counted about 20 parking spots. Um, there may be other areas, and, and that's kind of a general parking area that was between. Uh, next to them was a little Chinese restaurant. There was a building on the other side, and this is parking that's in the middle. I may not be describing that if, you, um, if you're in Chicago, and that may make more sense to you than to other people, and, um, but it was like a common... I would say parking type area. So I could see how during busy times, if that filled up, I didn't see other parking places immediately available, but um, I suspect Chicago people have solutions for that. <laughs> I mean, maybe you, uh, I don't know, park somewhere else or, or somebody drops you off or whatever. But uh, so we didn't have any problems parking, but I could see when the place gets busy, how that could um, become an issue. The Galloping Ghost uses the uh, model of pay one price and then all the games are free. And that one price is $15. Now that was a bit of a surprise to me, I will admit, when Mason and I walked in because it was $30. Now, the, uh, the first arcade I ever saw using that model was the 1984 arcade and that's in Springfield, Missouri. The 1984 arcade, um, it is a, it's more than an arcade. It is a beautiful place, um, with, you know, wood floors in some places, 
Um, beautiful decorations, uh, really pristine arcade machines. Um, you know, it just really, really nice place. It's $5 to get in the Fayetteville arcade, the retro, uh, or Arcadia, Arcadia retrocade is in Fayetteville. It's not as nice as 1984 inside. Um, I think they probably have more machines than 1984, um, it's also five bucks. So, um, a $15 entrance fee is a little bit more of a commitment. Um, if, if I lived by an arcade that had free games for $5, I'd go there every day. I mean, I would go there literally. I mean, I would stop from home from work, pay five bucks, go for half an hour, play some games and then go home. So for $15, it's more of a, um, you know, you you definitely, I wouldn't swing by and drop 15 bucks to go play some games. If I'm paying 15 bucks, I mean, so, you, you know, I figure this, like the old arcade games were a quarter. Now, it's really not fair to the arcade industry to hold games to a quarter. That's what people expect. People expect games to be a quarter. Um, but let's say that you went to an arcade where all the games were 50 cents. So either way. Uh, if you're paying a $5 entrance fee, if games are a quarter, that's 20 games. So when are you going to go to an arcade and not play 20 games, you know? Uh, or if they're 50 cents each, that's only 10 plays. So, I mean, five, five bucks is, is ridiculously cheap. So I will give them that. Um, at $15, now you're at, you know, 30 plays for a 50 cent machine or 60 plays if they're a quarter. So, Anyway, my only point there is I don't think that $15 is unreasonable, but what I do think is that if I were paying $15 and going there on a regular basis, I would want to go for a few hours. Um, you know, $15 is is the same as uh, if you're going to the movies and getting a snack, you know, which is a couple of hours of entertainment. So I would definitely, I would see this as that, you know, on that same, same price, um, platform or whatever, you know, I mean, comparable price, but also I would want to get, you know, two hours of enjoyment at least out of that. Anyway, um, my first impression of inside the building is that there were no decorations. Normally, um, I know that they're, they're working on some different things at the Arcadia, uh, retrocade. I know that, um, the 1984, I think, set the standard. I mean, you know, there's bright walls. There's, there's, um, you know, a big mural thing that has Miss Pac-Man, uh, eating ghosts or I think maybe it's just Pac-Man. Um, you know, they have things, decorations in the bathroom. Both places have decorations in the bathroom. Fun Spot has, um, you know, flyers for arcade games hanging all over the place. They have big posters for arcade stuff. They have, um, a glass case full of toys. That's at Fun Spot. There's also one um, at Arcadia. So, you know, the, it's not an arcade. And by that, I mean it, it's an arcade, but it's more than that. It is a destination where people that enjoy playing Space Invaders <laughs> or other arcade games from the 70s and 80s are going. So, um, I, you know, if you don't have that stuff in your personal collection, then it might be an investment. But I mean, right now I could, well, right now, well, that's not really fair because I could open a toy store <laughs> with what I'm looking at. But, um, you know, if you don't have that stuff, I would think people would bring it, you know, maybe on loan or, you know, just, I don't know. 
a lot of the stuff can be done really inexpensively. So I was expecting to see more uh, things on the wall. I, I I just didn't see see that many decorations. Not a make or break thing, just a observation. Um, after you paid, we turned to our left, and there was a. Once you turn to your left, there's a game area to your left, and then there's a game room to your right. So this is my very first impression. I look to the game list on the left, and the very first game I see is Elevator Action 2, which is an arcade machine I've never seen before. I've never seen an Elevator Action 2 actual physical machine. As we look to the left, Mason immediately runs over and starts playing something that looks like... I, I, it looks like a first-person shooter. I don't even know what it is, but it's some fairly relatively modern game where, where you're running around and you're doing um, first-person shooting. He starts playing that. As I look at the games around him, there is uh, Pingo. There is Gauntlet. There is... And I'm just talking in just this little area. Uh, I immediately walked over and coined up Blasteroids. And I played a couple rounds of Blasteroids. Um, and there was a... Pitfall 2 cabinet, and, th and this is, so right off the bat, I mean, there's there's a few classics there, but there are some machines at this place that are machines that are off the beaten path. I mean, I, I've, like I said, I've been to a lot of these places. I've never seen uh, an Elevator Action 2 cabinet in any of those places. I don't think I've ever seen a Pitfall 2 cabinet in those places. Um, I've seen Pingo at several because it's a classic and I've seen Gauntlet, you know, so it was a, an interesting mix of games. You know, that was my very first impression. Then I look to the right and there's a room that you go into in that room, the entire, uh, essentially the entire left-hand side of the room consists of mortal Kombat machines, mortal Kombat one, two, three, four, um, Ultimate Mortal Kombat, the the combat cabinet from um, 2011, that's on the left. The right-hand side consists of shooters. Now, again, I'm not a uh, shoot-em-up expert. The first two on the right are Ikaruga, which is a... I, I played that originally, I think, on the Dreamcast, and I know that maybe it had a GameCube release or whatever... I've never seen it. I've never seen a real Ikaruga cabinet. Uh, right next to it, Radiant Silver Gun. Right next to it, R-Type. Right next to it, I mean, it is a a who's who, not of just, I think Life Force was there. Um, not just shooting cabinets. The cream of the crop of shooting cabinets. Cabinets that shooter people get excited about. Um, so... I have to say that I was very uh, impressed with the game selection. It wasn't, um, you know, when I started collecting arcade games, I went to auctions and I bought whatever was cheap. So that's what my collection began as, was games, you know. And you could see that. And some of these arcades, not the ones I've been talking about, 1984 has a great selection. Arcadia has, you know, great selection. Fun Spot is what it is. I mean, they have a little bit of everything. But you go to some of these arcades, I mean, um, 
Gaddy Town here, which is um, used to be Incredible Pizza, now it's Gaddy Town. And you go in and they have three or four old arcade games that they've kept, and it's like, why would you keep these? Like, why would you keep a game I've never heard of that sucks when you could easily put a Donkey Kong machine here or, you know, whatever? Something that people would play and that people have heard of. And, you know, a lot of it is because they went, um, you know, well, I think it's because they got them cheap to finish that thought. Whenever I see a scramble cabinet, and I know that um, the No Quarter guys just recently did an episode of Scramble. And by the way, I mentioned this on their Facebook page. But still, if you go to if you go to um, the KLOV website and look up Scramble and scroll down to the bottom, or you can just search for O'Hara with an apostrophe, that's my cabinet. <laughs> that's my little plug for myself that's on the Scramble page. Um, I've owned two of them, and I hate that game. And the reason that I own two of them is because I found them cheap. And so whenever I see those at an arcade, I always think, yep, they got that cheap. <laughs> because nobody, I, I won't say that. I mean, I think there are people that maybe enjoy that game or at least tolerate it because it's a old game and it's easy to understand what you're doing. I mean, you fly through a cave and you shoot stuff and drop bombs on fuel, which somehow refuels you, which is, uh, I never understood the logic of that. Um, but... So when I see, and, and it might be just my own perception, but when I see scramble cabinets, I think this is a place that picked cabinets up cheap and that's what they were able to get, you know? Um, so anyway, I, I kind of derailed myself, but the point of that is, is I don't think that about this place. Um, it seems to me that whoever does the buying for Galloping Ghost knows what they're doing. I think, I mean, it, it was more of a, like I said, the shooting area, uh, and I'm calling it shooting. I don't mean like with the light guns because they had some of those too, but the, the shoot 'em ups um, was like a, a who's who list of cabinets. I was very impressed with that. Um, so I also would say the other impression I had when I walked in where you paid, there was a little, I don't want to call it a gift shop. I mean, it was just like glass counters, you know. Um, it was full of. Uh, like bead art, you know, where people make pixel characters of bead art. And there were a lot of different like little Pac-Man ghosts. And I took a picture or two and I'll post that online. Um, I didn't really see any prices. There may have been prices. I just didn't look that close. So I'm not sure how much they were. I could see like Mason mentioned something. He was like, oh, you know, that's kind of cool. Like he almost wanted it, you know, but then I, I said, hey, let's get some ice cream on the way home. And he said, okay. So talked him out of that one. But uh, you know, I don't know that people go there. Oh, and I, and I should say the other glass counter was filled with candy. Um, or, you know, I don't remember ever having candy like that at the arcade. I mean, it seems like a movie theater thing for me, but maybe other arcades had that, I guess. Um, I, I've joked before, Cactus Jacks did not have a candy machine. They had a cigarette machine that was backed by the bathrooms and it took tokens. So that's what I remember. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe uh, places had like that. So I think it's probably a decent, I hope that it's a money maker for them. But um, it, it just, I don't know. I didn't see anybody going up. I didn't see anybody eating candy the whole time I was there. And I didn't see anybody buying candy. I'm sure, I'm sure they do. But uh, anyway, so I thought about that. Uh, so let's talk about the games. I talked a little bit about uh you know, that, that little initial selection. 
Uh, I would say a lot of their games there are conversions. Uh, I, I won't say a lot, but but a lot of the ones I looked at, and and that's something that I think doesn't matter to the average person. If you're going and playing a game, especially an arcade where the machines are pushed up to each side, it's probably something that a lot of people don't even notice, but if you collected arcade games like I did, you do tend to notice those things. Um, a lot of the games did not have the original marquees. Instead, it looks like what they've done is printed out custom marquees that have two games. Um, what's one? Uh, Rastan. There was Rastan, and then, but it was only half a marquee, and then the other half was Nastar, which is uh, a sequel. It's also Rastan backwards. Um, or Rastan. I guess that's Natsar, maybe. Um, but anyway, so I what I gathered, I mean, and I, I, I just assume this is that they switch out the boards between those maybe. So they, um, you know, they're kind of dual purpose machines and there were several of those. Um, so, you know, they, on their website, they list that they have 400 machines, but they didn't have, they don't have 400 machines in there. They may have 400 boards that get swapped in and out. Um, let's see. One thing that I did see on the wall that I thought was really cool was they have a giant flat screen television that has all the marquees. I tried to write something like this a long time ago for my arcade and it never, it never came out looking quite right. Uh, but it's a, it's a high score thing and it rotates through the high score. So it shows all the games. That being said, there's so many on every screen that it's like, you know, eight point font or something. So you have to be standing pretty close to it. I'd like to see, and maybe they they have something like this, a mode where it shows, like it fills up the whole screen with one game and it would cycle through them, you know, so like Defender and then the high score and Joust and the high score. Um, so I, I thought it was a really neat idea. I really did like it. Um, you have to be pretty close to it to see the scores, but um, yeah, so that that I really did like that. Um Another thing, right, when I was talking about how they, I think the, like I said, they, they claim to have 400 games. They do not have 400 games on the floor, but a lot of them were also Neo Geo type games. Uh, so, you know, where you have, you know, I saw, I think there's a six slot. I saw some, a lot of four slots. Um, so you get a lot of games in that way. And then, like I said, those, those dual purpose kind of machines. Um, and I'm not, I'm not dogging on them for saying that, you know, that they have 400 machines because I, we would have gone either way and, and, they they have enough machines to keep you busy for a long time. So that that's definitely not an issue. Um so the good stuff about the game collection is they have an amazing game collection. They have an area with all the Pac-Man games all put together. They have a collection of all the Donkey Kong games. And by all the Donkey Kong games, I mean there's Donkey Kong Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong 3, uh, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers. I mean, it's all right there in one place. Uh, the, all the, the really, the old classics are kind of in the same area. So you have Frogger, there was Defender, there was Stargate, there was Centipede. Um, a little bit away, there was Tron. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in that area. Um, that's where the original elevator action was. So... I mean, they've got, uh, did I say Joust? Joust was there. Um, they have a collection of, of games. Uh, and that's just one little area. 
Uh, there's an area of driving games. There's a whole area of military games. Again, uh, no quarter just mentioned Russian attack. They had Russian attack. They had um, POW, uh, whatever that game is. They uh, commando. Um, it, you know, just just uh, it, it's hard. I because I've I've been tracking arcade stuff for so long and I've been exposed to it so much. Um. It is, you know, you go, oh, I wonder if they have this. So it's easy to find these little weird, like, niche games that they didn't have. But for the most part, I mean, I can't imagine anybody. Um, you know what just dawned on me? I don't remember seeing Asteroids. Hmm. Um, but I did see Space Invaders. And um, anyway, it is... Um, I guess there's two schools of thought, I should say. One is when you go, oh my God, they better have 720. And then you go there and they don't have 720 and then you're disappointed because they didn't have this one game that you wanted, you know, when you went there. So that's one school of thought. The other one is, I want to go play classic arcade games and you go there and there are hundreds and hundreds of games. Like, how could you be disappointed in that? Um, it, you know, and so if you go to these places, you know, you know what it reminds me of, um, and now that I just said that, um, is Netflix streaming. Netflix streaming has a much, brought to you by Netflix, not really. I wish. I would plug Netflix if they want to pay my seven ninety five a month for my streaming account. Um, but if you say, I'm dying to see this movie, and you go to Netflix streaming, you're going to be disappointed because they probably don't have it. I want to watch this, and they don't have it. However, if you do the opposite, and you say, you know, I like Netflix streaming, and then you go there, and you go to the documentary section, and then you find a documentary you want to watch, and then you watch it. Or you go to the action, or the the kids' shows, or whatever. So if you use it that way, in that you want to stream a movie, and then you go there and see what they have, then it's a very good service. If you already know what you want, and then you go there, and they don't have it, then you could get disappointed. So I'm I'm definitely in the camp that I enjoy Netflix streaming because it's so easy and the quality. No. <laughs> I enjoy it because I like watching movies. And so I go to Netflix streaming and I um, go find something I want to watch and I want to watch it. And so I enjoy classic arcade games. And so I don't get hung up that they didn't have this game or they didn't have this game or whatever. If you go there and you don't have a fun time, you were trying not to have a fun time. That's all I could say. Um, and just, uh, you know, like I said, really good collection, really good time. That being said, lots of broken games on the on the on the floor, uh, and, and when I say lots, you know, you got to think of of relative. What's relative? You know, I mean, I could probably come up with a dozen games that um, either the monitor was out or the joystick didn't work or something like that. So, okay, that's a dozen games out of two hundred or whatever. I mean, that's not really a bad ratio. It's only I mean, they stand out. Like, I can't tell you every game that worked because there were so many, but the ones that didn't work stick out. Um, ever since No Quarter mentioned their Dig Dug episode, I've been playing Dig Dug every week, and I'm working on my score, and I'm working on patterns, I'm doing all these things, so I enjoy Dig Dug. So when I saw a Dig Dug machine, I went over, and, and um, the joystick wouldn't go up very easily, but and also the right um, pump button didn't work. So I kind of had to play it, you know, the old school, like the crossed hand method. 
Um, and you know, and when it couldn't go up and, you know, I, I got killed once or twice because I tried to go up and it wouldn't go. Then I, I was done with it. So, um, so unfortunately I, and this is, doesn't reflect on their arcade. I think this reflects more on how human beings are is that we focus on the ones, um, that didn't work. They had a time traveler, uh, the hologram game that was turned off. Um, I really shouldn't sit here. I mean, I kind of listed them. But now that I'm thinking about it, it seems kind of tacky to sit here and list um, all the machines that had issues. There were a couple that I was looking forward to. The championship sprint, um, the monitor was was really too dim uh, to play, and the uh, discs of Tron wasn't up and running. So, you know, like I said, they had a few uh, machines, you know, that didn't work. Uh, when I owned 30 arcade games at my house... At least one third of them were always broken, <laughs> so my my uh, odds were you know two to one that you'd get a working one to a non-working one. So I don't know. Um, you know, I only went to the Galloping Ghost one time, so I don't know how quickly they repair games. I don't know if they pull them off the floor and try to fix them or whatever. There's a giant tech booth in the back with a giant glass window where you can see there and. I don't want to say it's my favorite part because that makes it sound like I didn't enjoy the other stuff, but um, I love when years ago I went to Cactus Jack's and um, I got a tour of the tech area, and it was this little tiny room, uh, kind of you know smoky, um, but I loved it. I loved you know because as a kid you don't get to see that part of it, and now that we're all adults and they you know people will show you that part of it, and it's just fantastic. I love it. Um, when we went to, um, meet Shay, the owner of, um, Arcadia, the Retrocade, he gave us this tour of the thing and he was so proud. He was like, here's where I put these games and here's my cocktail thing. And this is the birthday room we're building. And I was like, Hey, show me your tech area. And <laughs> it was obvious that he had not cleaned that area or, you know, I mean, he wasn't really expecting anybody to want to look in there and we did. And it was a big, huge mess that was piled of stuff. And it was fantastic because it's that, it's like the Wizard of Oz, like you're looking behind the curtain, you're seeing that thing that as a kid, you know, you always dream, like where are these guys, you know, they keep them in a little hole, like in cages, they come out at night and they fix stuff and they go back in their little hole. Um, so uh, I, I did enjoy at the Galloping Ghost that it's a big window and you can look in there and it's just like piles of crap, you know, of broken cabinets and and um, there's boards everywhere and all kinds of stuff so i did enjoy that they kind of exposed that where people could look in um i guess because recently i just went to cactus jacks where now the slingshot pinball arcade that i've got pinball on the mind and so i saw on the galloping ghost that they have several arcade or uh pinball machines listed but i didn't see any pinball machines there so it makes me think maybe there was an area that we didn't see or something. I do know on their website that they have some private Xbox and PlayStation areas that could be rented for gaming. And I didn't see where those were. So maybe the pinball machines are back there or something. I don't really know. Um, I would say if you're hoping to go there to play pinball, I wouldn't go there for that. Um, it's definitely arcade, you know, centric, I would say. Um, what else did I write down here? Their hours 
for the Galloping Ghost are Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. to 2 a.m., and Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 2 a.m., and they're open every day. And it says that they are open regular hours on holidays as well. And Mason and I got out uh, on Friday probably around 1.30 p.m., and there were maybe two or three other pairs or couples of people that were there. We really had the run of the place until uh, 4 o'clock, maybe. By 4 o'clock, it really started filling in. And there's some areas there, and maybe it's just because I'm a bigger guy. I'm always conscious about, you know, am I blocking somebody? Am I blocking someone's access or whatever? The front row of arcade games is really like a one-person kind of squeeze-through kind of area. So if you're in the front area... Uh, and this is only about, oh, maybe 20 machines. And you're playing those machines, people can't get through. It's like you're blocking the aisle. Um, so to be honest, I didn't really play any machines up there just because I didn't want to be the guy that was blocking the aisle. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, you have a finite amount of space. So if you have that many machines, you've got to be creative with your layout. And so I think they did a pretty good job. Um, you know, it's, it's several long aisles of games and then there's a break in the middle so you can kind of get around. Um, it's, I could see how during busy times it would get packed in there really quickly. So, um, you know, for the 1984 arcade for Arcadia, um, I know for 1984, they're open Thursday through Sunday, I believe last time I checked. And the time I went on a Thursday, we were the only people in there the whole time. It was fantastic. But that's not, I mean, it depends on what your experience, what you're wanting. If you want to go and have the place to yourself or whatever, then you go during off times. That's not really what arcades were like in the eighties. There were a lot of people there and it was busy and it was loud. And so, um, you know, just depends on what you want your experience. If you want that, I'd probably, my guess is later in the evenings or on the weekends that, uh, Galloping Ghost looks like the kind of place that would get pretty busy. Um, I mentioned it was $15 to get you in all day. Um, like I said, I didn't think that was unreasonable. I suspect that the rent uh, near downtown Chicago is probably higher than what it is in Springfield, Missouri or Fayetteville, Arkansas. So I did not begrudge them the um, $15 entrance fee. They do have week passes for $40, monthly passes for $90, and that's two different passes, so, you know, that's you and a friend, and yearly passes for $375. Now, I don't know if I would do, I mean, if I guess I, I'm trying to think who would use a week pass. I mean, if you're on vacation or something and you were going there every day, maybe, um, or maybe a month pass, you know, maybe you would do that, um, you know, during the summer if you're a kid and you're around there or something. But the yearly pass, I think if I were, uh, if I lived in the area, if I was close, I would do that on January 1st. I'd buy the yearly pass, $375. Uh, and then you think, you know, I mean, that's, uh, you know, basically two trips a month or less uh, than that. And I would definitely, if I was up there, I would definitely be visiting this place more than twice a month. Um, you know, and and that's for one person. So if you're going... You know, with a, a, like for me, when I took Mason, it was 30 bucks. So, you know, if we went 12 times a year, 30 times 12, 360 bucks, you know? So, I mean, this is basically would be me and Mason going 
once a month. And I, I definitely uh, know that I would be going more than that if I uh, uh, lived that close. So, um, Galloping Ghost. It is a retro arcade. Their website says that they are the largest arcade in the United States. Now, I don't know how that's judged. Space-wise, um, machine-wise, title-wise, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to imagine that they have more games than Fun Spot, having been to both. They definitely have more games. I mean, they've got to be close to what Fun Spot has. Uh, they... Galloping Ghost does have an amazing game selection. Um, Segway, not Segway, but just to derail myself for a second. Um, last year, on our way home from vacation, while we were driving through uh, to either Nebraska or Kansas, we stopped at a sign that said, The Biggest Ball of Twine. Now, anybody who listens to Weird Al knows that the biggest ball of twine is in Minnesota. So we were surprised to see it in the uh, Midwest. And what it turns out is there are multiple ways to judge the biggest ball of twine. And there is the biggest ball of twine that was created by a single person. That's somewhere. The biggest ball of twine that's in Kansas. Maybe it's Nebraska. God dang it. I should look that up. Um, But that one is made by the town. And then there is a biggest ball of twine that is owned by the Guinness Book of World Records, which was actually made by a machine. So there are different ways. I mean, so you can say that you have the biggest ball of twine, but then you put a little asterisk there and you say, well, I have the biggest one that was made by one person. Well, I have the biggest one that was made by a machine. Well, we have the biggest one that was made by a town. So I don't really know what that asterisk is when it comes to calling yourself the largest arcade. I don't know if they mean space-wise. I don't know if they mean machines, if it's titles. Who has the most on the floor? Who has the most working? I, I don't really know what that is. It's a semantic that I would not lose sleep over. I wouldn't say, well, you know what? The one in Fun Spot's bigger, New Hampshire, so I'm not going to the one in Chicago. That's ridiculous. Anytime I was near any of these places, I would go... Uh, and have gone and have driven across country for. So um, whether they're the largest, the second largest, I don't know. But I do know uh, well worth the $15. I think there are, there's enough there for casual gamers. There's enough there. I mean, if you know, if you're a fighting, you're into fighting games, you go and then there's a block of about eight different Street Fighter machines. Um, there's a four player X-Men, there's a Simpsons, there's Simpsons bowling. I mean, there's any game, you know, that every single game that you go through are like, Oh, I remember that. Oh, I want to play that. I want to do that. You know? So I figured Mason and I would spend an hour, hour and a half and that turned into three hours. And then eventually we had to hurry, uh, to leave so that we could go meet family for dinner. Um, so, yeah, definitely something there for everybody. Definitely two thumbs up here, two tokens in the slot, uh, two extra men, whatever you want to say. Um, we had a great time, and um, it's definitely on my list of places uh, to visit the next time we're up in Chicago. My dad's family is from Chicago. Now, I went for work this week, but uh, we do get up there for vacation and things like that. And so this is... Um, Definitely going to be a spot that's uh, 
part of my regular places to stop when we're in town. So I think that about wraps up episode 139. That is the Galloping Ghost Arcade in Chicago. Now, I have been to some other arcades that I have not dedicated full episodes to. I did have one about uh, uh, Arcadia, the Retrocade, but I did not do a full one about the Lost Ark, and I haven't done one. I kind of did one on Cactus Jacks. I mean, I did Oklahoma places, uh, Oklahoma-type arcades and arcade stories, but I may go back and do one dedicated to Slingshots, to the the part of their arcade now that is a a pinball place. I'm not a pinball expert, but... uh, Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of interesting things. I, I would like to do one um, about Star Wars toys that I've bought and received over the years. I don't know how you guys feel about that. It's not really technical, per se. It's not in the retro computing kind of thing. I have, um, uh, I think I talked about this before. I have some game-specific podcasts that I'm thinking about doing. So um, until I get those polls set up, what I need is to hear from you. So send me your feedback, send me your suggestions, send me what you'd like to hear. Send those things to Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Call and leave the voicemail, 405-486, you don't know flat. Um, some people have said, I've, I've got a couple of voicemails where people said, hey, this is just for you, don't put this on the air. That's fine. Um, you know, some people just like, I think we're so attached to cell phones, or a lot of us are attached to cell phones at this point. If you want to call that and you say, hey, just wanted to let you know, um, I really enjoyed the podcast, keep it up. Or, I really hate your podcast, and I'm one of the 5,400 people that came last month and then decided not to listen. Whatever you want to do. If you just say on there, you know, hey, this is not for the air, this is just feedback or whatever, I won't I won't put it on the air, I listen to it, and I, I will uh, consume your feedback, and then I will delete the message. So, uh, so. Don't just think, you know, oh, well, I don't want to call because I don't want to be on the air. It, it's for, it's just an easy way to um, leave messages. So you want to hit me up on Twitter or Facebook, whatever you want to do. Uh, I'm always looking forward to your feedback. So um, like I said, I will get that poll function uh, up and running here in the very near future. But until then, if you want to contact me one of those other ways and let me know what you'd like to hear in the future, we could do that. So I recently upgraded... Uh, to the latest version, uh, well, one of the, the other game that we downloaded. But I have MAME on my iPad, and I'm in such an arcade mood, and I wasn't really, it's kind of before I started this episode, but I really am now. And I'm going to go um, plug my iPad into my iCade and work on my stupid Dig Dug score. So, thanks for listening. It's been another good episode, and I look forward to seeing you all hopefully next week on another episode of You Don't Know Flat.